yeah, it's funny. Like we all go through life thinking like, oh, look, look at these horrible things I went through. And the more you, the more you listen to more success stories, the more you're like, shit, I think this was everyone's normal life. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors. Infuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Amplify Podcast with Renee Rodriguez. Welcome, everybody, to the Amplify Podcast. Today, I got to tell you, I am so extremely excited about my guest today, somebody I'd met just a few weeks ago. And I got to tell you, the way we met was interesting. I was at a, a dinner and for it was like, like a celebrity dinner with our, our good friend Dave Meltzer. And I was there and, you know, I wasn't sure who everybody was. And, you know, I'm kind of out of context. And then somebody comes up and says, you got to go meet Clinton Sparks. And I'm like, man, that name sounds familiar. And it, it is, I mean, I knew who you were, but I didn't, I didn't put all the pieces together. And I, I quick, you know, they go, you need to give them a book. And I'm like, okay, hold on a second. I pull up my, I pull up my phone and I Google. And then I saw, and then I saw even things I didn't know. And first I was blown away with who he knows. I mean, I'm talking about somebody that I, and I got to read some of this stuff because this is just incredible, you know, work, somebody who's, who's helped sell one of first and foremost, Grammy nominated platinum, uh, multi-platinum music producer, songwriter, and DJ responsible for over 75 million records sold worked with people. And I'm just going to name the ones that I know because this list is so ridiculously long. Samsung, Beyonce, Pepsi, Eminem, Nordstrom's, Lady Gaga, Sirius XM, Kanye West, Rick Ross, Big Sean, Snoop Dogg, Two Chains, Little John, and the list. It's just incredibly long. And but now here's the the cool part is he's done all that stuff. He's done as a DJ, came from the hood, but he is more of a business man than he is even a musician or a hip hop artist. And so he's, he's got multi-million dollar companies. He's co-founded companies. He's got companies that are in the works. He helps found a brand called Xset. And I, I mean, this is just too much. Worked with Twitch, 12 million views. His show, I think it's your platform, Win Big, 12 million views. Has a book called How to Win Big with, in the Music Business. Over, already sold over 100,000 copies. I mean, okay, then you got to listen to this. P. Diddy, if you know him, he says Clinton Sparks influences cultures. Pitbull says he doesn't have his finger on the pulse. He is the pulse. I mean, this is this is amazing. So first and foremost, Clinton, thanks for making time. Thank you very much. If is that if that's your excited voice, then I would hate to see what your just chilling voice is. <laughs> You're like, hey, hey, what's up, guys? I'm super excited to meet Clinton. Like that, that's excited. Come on, Renee. Can we pump it up? You got me up at 5 30 in the morning. Let's get a little bit more excited, Renee. You know what's funny is that I have I have gotten I get all sorts of feedback. One is that they, people, Renee, I could listen to you help me go to sleep to help me soothe the voice, but I have to reserve that excited voice because it, it it gets a little what, bit what, little if, bit what do you reserve it for? I don't what know. Makes, what good... makes Renee come up with the excited voice? You know, sometimes it it scares the excuse my language, it scares the shit out of people because it's it's it can get big. But no, you're right. I got I have to, and this is you know what this is a good point because I've watched a lot of my videos in like on stage lately, and I'm watching, and it's so because I'm also a philosopher, if you will, and so I'm always sort of reflecting on things, which is some things I, I can't wait to dive in with you. I'm always reflective, and I always think of myself on stage. There's a, there's plenty of yellers and screamers on stage, people that run around, and I. My, a lot of my clients where I started, they they didn't want somebody yelling and screaming. They wanted somebody to cause change, get reflection, and get people to behave differently. And that requires a lot of internal reflection. Right. And so a lot of the things that I ask force people to go internally. And also a lot of people that are on the stage that and what I do, they make up in loud screams what they lack in content depth. And so right. I'm, I'm trying to balance the two. So uh, there are times and I'm working on it, but I appreciate you pushing me here. This is really good. I have to, I think I can bring both and I need to start bringing both of them. But Renee, I, I agree, but this is not a session and you're not on stage. We're in a sleep <laughs> zone. It is a podcast and it's just you and I alone. It's us. All right. But we can well, pump it up a little bit. 
Well, I got to tell you, you are you work with people that I grew up listening to that I still listen to, and so I'm excited. I'm excited by all those records in the background. But 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 let me. Here's why I brought all that up. When I when I first met you, I didn't see any of that stuff. I didn't even understand it. I saw one of the most humble, gracious people I'd met in a long time. I saw somebody who took a deep interest. I wrote something to you, and you looked at me. You said, "Man." You can bring tears to my eyes. And you gave me a hug. I'm like, this guy's legit. He's real. And then as the night went on, I was like, my God, this guy's a friend. Like, this is somebody I want to hang out with. And I honestly could get could have given a shit if you'd done one record. Like, this is like your heart is in the right place, man. And it's an honor. And I'm excited to introduce you to to my audience here. And uh let's just let's have a great conversation. So let's give us before we start, can we just correct that our first interaction was you had oh, your yeah. phone <laughs> at a big round table where everyone was going to sit because everybody there was a bunch of tables at this dinner and Jeff Hoffman wanted to sit next to me and there was a phone there. So we're like, oh, whose phone is this? Let's just move it over one seat. And then all of a sudden someone was like, wait, that's Renee's phone. You shouldn't be touching this phone. I look over and I see this big guy named Renee and I'm like the biggest guy in this room. You had to make me touch his shit. And then you were like, no, no, it's all good, man. It's all good. And I was like, dude, I'm sorry for touching your phone. You're like, no, it's good, man. It's good. But like, out of all people, it was the biggest dude in the room that they had me. It couldn't be someone like, like dude, who cares about your phone? It, it had to be a guy that was like, what are you doing with my phone? I'm like, nothing, sir. <laughs> You're right, actually. I do remember that because what's funny, here's the thing. And I've got a bone to pick with Jeff because when I got there, and if you don't, Jeff Hoffman is the founder of Priceline, founder of U UBID, and just an incredible humanitarian. And he's like, Renee, come sit next to me. So he's he 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 wanted to sit next to me first. And then uh he's like, okay, hold on a second, Clinton. Let me sit next to Clinton first. <laughs> and then he looks yes, at me, he goes, man. Hey, bro. he goes, Hey, bro, hold on a second. I, I have to catch up with him. I'm like, no, no problem. And that was another guy that I was uh just blown away with. And uh we've been talking a lot since then. And and uh, I think we're gonna do some work together. But yeah, no, that was right. And but what I remember too was just the conversations that we had, the things that you're doing. I want I want people to know a little bit about your background, you know, because I, I I don't want to make you tell your background on another podcast because I bet you there's a thousand podcasts with your background. But give us just a short version of where you come from because I want to set the stage. You've you came again from so many great stories from nothing. You built something, but you chose an avenue to build something that really wasn't your passion, which I think is a really important point. You became good at it to create the influence to do what you're really passionate about. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, that's a lengthy story there, Renee. Born in Boston, Mass, get familiar. Broke, uh, father was an alcoholic, ended up leaving us. Watched him almost kill my mom, and then he left. And then my mom was uh, a hardworking single mom who worked two, three jobs to take care of us. So yeah, broke, lonely kid, bullied a lot growing up, didn't have much and then was sexually abused for many years in my home. And so those are the things that kind of, if someone wants to say, what are the tough things that happened that made you stronger? Right. Those are the things that happened kind of like up to 13. Um, so you had like the whole laundry list of all of the bad stuff that could have happened to any child. Yeah. And has happened to a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny. Like we all go through life thinking like, oh, look, Look at these horrible things I went through. And the more you the more you listen to more success stories, the more you're like, shit, I think this was everyone's normal life. Like everybody went through some if you especially if you're in Boston, uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of molestation going on uh back in the 80s and like no one was paying attention. But anyways, it was happening in my house, unfortunately, for like four years. So did all that stuff. And then the radio was my best friend. Like I hung out with my radio a lot in my bedroom. Uh, so it taught me a lot uh, listening to artists. And that's what kind of got my interest in music because I would hear versions of songs on the weekend that I didn't hear during the week. I'm like, what, what is this super long version of Prince? Let's go crazy. I've never heard this before. Come to find out it's a remix. But when I was a kid, I didn't know that. Mm. So what I used to do with my mom's dual cassette deck is I would loop the long part that was just music. And then I would start teaching myself how to like make a whole new, I would challenge myself to make a new song and melody over that. So I'd have wow. to erase, let's go crazy. And then I'd come up with a whole different melody. So that was my beginnings of like, you know, sh showing of interest in music. Yeah. Then I just, you know, throughout my teenage years, I was a criminal. 
to rob houses and steal cars and do all that kind of dumb stuff. And then when I was around 19, I'm giving you a super fast version. No, when I was no, around 19, great. my girlfriend's dad found some snowblowers that I stole and hid behind his garage, called me a loser. And it was the first time like a man who I respected said something that affected me that way. And like, it, it, mm. made, it hurt my feelings that someone called me a loser. Um, mm. And it, it woke me up. And I went, look, by the way, I was always working. I always had like multiple jobs. I was a bus boy, a, a stock guy, a mover. Like I always had jobs while I was also making music in my bedroom for local artists and performing and winning talent shows and just kind of becoming known and successful in my city. Even like in high school, I used to choreograph the cheerleaders. I would take over the whole rallies, the football rallies and like perform hmm. as a dancer no and a rapper and stuff. Went to UPS. I've always had a super work ethic, whether it was being a criminal. So before you even go on to that, I kind of want to point something out, in, in, which I think is so fascinating. I think a lot of people don't understand what when they talk about hip hop culture, we're talking about sort of growing up in in the hood or the ghetto or whatever it is that you're going through, that there's there's this balance of learning to survive and wanting to escape at the same time. And I can't tell people the importance of music and song and dance and and things like that for that level of escape for when you're in the most difficult time. So here, and what was crazy is in the hood, you didn't have, you didn't have access to instruments and, and lessons. You know, I, I, my kids got piano lessons. We get, you know, we get schools and, but you had to create your own music with what you had access to. And that was even taking existing music, but remixing it into another song. And so it was like the, the creativity and innovation that is at the sort of the core of what hip hop is about to me is, is fascinating. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't consciously attempt to escape. Like, I didn't know there was somewhere to escape to. And at the time when you're young, you're not thinking about I'm trying to survive. You're just instinctively doing what you need to do to survive, right? right? So like, you know, I'm getting jumped all the time. You know what I mean? So like, if I'm riding to the store with food stamps in my hand to go get some milk, you know, it's pretty guaranteed the Puerto Rican kids are going to jump me. Or like come start a problem with me back when I was growing up. And then when I go around this neighborhood, there'll be some white kids that, that fuck with me. And then I go around this corner, then there's some black kids that fuck with me. So like you are always like figuring out ways to maneuver. Uh, you, you grow your witticism uh, pretty quickly so you can out talk people and just to get away enough. And then like, like, wait, what do you say? And then like you're already gone around the corner. You know, so you as you get older, you look back and realize, you know, either the beauty or the tragedy and some of the things that you went through. But in the moment, you don't realize that, like, you know, I always say even you don't know you're making history while you're making it, yeah. right? So, like, and you don't know that you're getting strong or building the resilience or improving person or someone that has abilities that no one else has. You don't realize you're creating this at the time. Like, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to bounce all over the place a little bit, but, like, you know, even most of my adult life, which started as a teenager, I always just had the right answer. And I'm not trying to sound pompous saying like, I'm right all the time. But for some reason, I just like knew this is the way we should do it. Or here's how we should approach this mm. thing. And I used to, throughout my career, especially as an adult, even up until about, <clears throat> I don't know, man, a couple of years ago, it took a long time for me to realize the unique abilities that I do have, right? Mm or to quote taken this certain special set of skills that I possess. Yeah. Right. And like, right. I, um, you know, when I would talk, whether it was in business or it was in music or even just in life, it was, just, I was always banging my head against one. Like, how do you not see what I'm saying? How do you not mm. get this? How does it not make sense to this room? How is everyone not getting it? And then I realized as I got older, it's because of the life that I lived and the things that I went through and what I've had to overcome that gave me this ability to understand psychology and the best choice and resolution and all like the abilities to make things better. Right. And I didn't know that this was something that I learned throughout my growing up. I thought everybody thought like me and I, I know found it confusing that people wouldn't get me. And for some odd reason, I, in, in the end, I'd always be right. Right. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying to say I'm right all the time. I'm just saying I would always have the right answer because now that I'm old, I realize every time I talk or try to give the answer, it's for the best interest of everybody. And it's with resolution in mind and it's yeah. with everybody winning. It's never, and there's no ego involved. 
So those are things that I learned instinctively without even knowing as I was young growing up that these things and what I did do intentionally, well, I'll go back to the UPS. So I go and I work at UPS. We pause and, UPS. I want to, I want to make one point that I heard good, but don't forget UPS yeah. is I just saw this research recently about when a when when somebody goes through a difficult time and they accomplish and they finish it, they start something difficult and they finish it. That you can go back and see the the track that was laid in the brain, the neuro the neuro tracks that were laid, yeah. and it's harder to build those tracks when you're older, much easier when you're younger. But what happens is is if you lay those tracks as a kid to overcome difficulty over and over and over again, they're laid for when we get older to continue and finish difficult things. And I'm, I'm noticing this and, I, and kind of my, my big fascination is understanding and loving the tragedies of our lives because they truly lay literally the foundation for success later on because all success requires overcoming things. And, you know, look at the tragedies and the difficulties and the stuff that you had to overcome, just simple as avoiding getting beat up this way and learning how to think quick on your feet so you could just buy yourself a couple seconds of distraction to move away. And then all of the stuff that now just sort of comes easy to you because you laid all those tracks down. And so I just wanted to point that out to, to, to say like, what I love is all the things you're doing now, you laid the foundation through suffering and, and difficulty as a kid to be able to enjoy this now. And what what's sad is that we've got generations and parents, me included, that tried to say, okay, hold on a second. I had a difficult time. I'm going to ensure my kids don't have that difficult time. And we shelter them from the stuff that actually creates the resilient and hardy adults for the future. Instead, we created people that gave up easier. And so just a point I wanted to point out, but let's go back to, to UPS. Well, I'll say, you know, an example, like in baseball, you know, when you put like the donuts on the bat, the weights, so yeah. you swing the bat, you know, it, you, and then when you take them off, you can swing the bat so much faster. Yeah. I look at the first half of my life as I was carrying those donut weights on yeah. my life. And as I got an adult, I realized how to take them off. So mm. now I just swing so much faster and harder because the first half of my life was training with those weights <laughs> on. So, yeah, I mean, so I get a job at UPS and to my work ethic, I end up becoming a really stellar employee there. For instance, like they would, they would load trucks. I loaded the trucks at night that the trucks would go deliver packages and the conveyor belt would come down and like people that had been there forever would load like three trucks. Like, oh my God, how do you load three trucks? After I was there for a while, I got so good at my job that they built an island that came off the conveyor belt that had six trucks. And I would not only load six trucks, but I would also train new employees that came in while I was loading six trucks. So I always excelled and always try to outdo myself. You know, one of the things I live by, and I've done this and practiced it my whole life, is you can only compete with yourself because when you compete with yourself, you can only get better. When you compete with others, you're only aiming to be their best, which may never be as good as your best. That's um, so profound. That, that is so profound right there. Because we've all said, we all say the first part. Yeah, I'm competing with myself. But what you just added to the end, I think is, it, it was a ha-ha for me. You said, if I compete myself, I'm, I'm getting better. But if I'm competing with somebody else, I'm aiming to be their best versus my best. And my best may have much higher limitations than theirs. Right, right. Which That's is another huge. reason I don't really put end goals on things because if you put an end goal then you're only aiming to achieve that and you never know what your potential could lead you to far past that so mm. when someone's like oh my goal is to do this no one of my one of my missions is to get this done it's not my goal to get to there and then like end because presumably most people that's the end right you get to the goal you're at the end but anyway so i'm at ups and by the way to your point everybody says the first part most people out here just feed and I'm not, I don't want to like shit on a lot of people, but like, I'm kind of not into a lot of the people that are out here giving game because it's yeah. like, man, you ain't even got your shit together. And you're yeah. trying to like teach him like the new hustle now is let me try to become a speaker or a podcast host or an author or, or someone at conferences trying to teach other people when I'm still trying to learn myself. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're always all constantly learning, but For like, sure. But at the same time, it's like, bro, like you don't even pay your child support. Like you, you're worrying about these things over here. Like you're not a good dude to your wife or like whatever it is. And like, why would I ever listen to you? Right. Give me advice on how to be a solid human 
when like you ain't even got your shit together. I literally just did a, uh, well, I did several posts on this exact topic. I've been having this conversation that it, there's, there's a, there's something to be said about the time it takes to be good at something. And there's a beautiful journey involved in that. So that when you go down this long journey, then you can turn around and advise somebody, but giving advice on something that you, that you're not an expert in or haven't mastered is like going to a city that you've never been and giving directions. It's unethical. It's wrong. You shouldn't do it. It's full of mistakes. And the, 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 there's another great meme out there says, Lord, give me the courage of a 25 year old or give me the confidence of a 25 year old life coach. And it's like, okay, you're going to teach me of life. You haven't even lived life yet. And it's not to your point. It's not to say that we're not all learning, but know your lane. Or you couldn't learn anything from a 25 year old, right? Yeah, You you can can learn a ton. Yeah, but, for sure. Like you can learn not, anything. Maybe not a life coach. You can learn anything from anybody, even someone that you might regard as an idiot. You know, the most important thing you can learn is how not to be an idiot. You know what I mean? But but the yeah. point is, is like people are, like I literally hear people say, "Yo, I want to be a speaker." It's almost as dumb as saying, "I want to be an influencer." Like you. You become an influencer by doing things that influence people to do things. Like you don't say, I want to be an influencer. You just become one because you do exactly. so many great things or people look up to you so much, you inadvertently become an influencer, right? So like, I almost, I had to, my arm was twisted to almost get into this space of giving advice and writing books and stuff because- You were pulled in. One, I've always been the guy that goes the opposite way where everybody else goes. And then two, I didn't want to be lumped in to a bunch of boneheads that are out here giving like fake inspiration and trying to mm. pump you up. And it's just like, come on, dude. Like, you know, you got to pay attention to the messenger, not the message. Cause yeah. everybody can regurgitate a message they heard from somebody out there who really did it. But you got to go look at the receipts of this messenger. Has he learned how to win, repeat, win, repeat, win, repeat. Has he yeah. been around for 10, 15, 20 years doing the same thing? Are there a lot of people that rely on this guy? Has he had a lot of accomplishments that can verify, man, this seems like someone I should really listen to. And if you go and you do that kind of research on 95% of these people out here that claim to be a life coach or on stages, the answer is no. Right. So like it's your fault for not doing the research or doing due diligence to see that this isn't the right person to listen to. Everybody can write a book. Everybody can regurgitate or say what they heard or be an aggregator of information and, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with being an aggregator of information either, as long as we know that's what you're doing. This isn't right. from you. This isn't your brain. These aren't your quotes. This isn't your advice. This is you being someone that took the time on, for us to go get that information. And Here's what they're saying. One small package. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's interesting is like, it, it's a lot, some people might misinterpret this as, as saying, you know, like what you said is you can't do it. No, it's, it's knowing your lanes. So there's like Richard or Robert Greene is an aggregator of information, right? One of the best selling authors of all time yeah. with uh, 48 laws of power, laws of seduction, but he'll research three, four years, five years in aggregating that information and, and putting it out there. And then, but I think there's something to be said about saying, okay, I'm going to aggregate the information. And then here's what my take is on it based on my experience. And so, the the whole piece on like you said is like hey i want to be a speaker i get people all the time renee i want to help me create a, a speech that creates a standing ovation i'm like i'm not going to do it i go you're if you go in wanting a standing ovation you're going in for yourself you need to go in for your audience and if the audience then decides this is what it is and here's the thing you go in wanting that you've already disconnected from the audience you're not giving them anything you're saying i need you guys to give me validation by standing up yeah. And you're already going in from a selfish perspective and it's over from, from the moment you get there. Now, there are ways to manufacture standing ovations. Yeah. But why? What's the purpose? If, like if fake if, numbers on your social yeah. media, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's not, it's like sending your boy who's way better looking than you on a date <laughs> with someone that you want to build a relationship with. Like right. the next day she's going to realize it wasn't you. So it like, wasn't you. <laughs> I don't, I don't get it. It's, it, uh, it's like, it's like someone saying, Renee, I want to be an NFL player. Can you score this touchdown for me? Like, what? <laughs> like, it, it doesn't work, man. Like, you're not going to survive or, or build a career in the NFL if this guy scored your touchdown for you. So, like, well, let's, and even worse, if you do trick a few people into believing it, you will live a miserable life having to keep up with that lie that there's zero enjoyment. And then the moment, and it will, so transparency is not a choice anymore in this world. It, 
will come out and thank God it does. But yeah, I love that. I love where you're going with this. So to back to UPS, I ended up hurting my spine. I was carrying an 85 pound package up some uh, makeshift steps that collapsed and a nail went in my Ouch. knee and I ended up getting spinal surgery. So I'm like, shit, I didn't graduate high school. I can't do hard labor anymore. What am I going to do? So the music that I've been doing as a hobby, because back then, like now everybody feels like they can be famous tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. But back then being famous or being successful in the music industry or like in Hollywood, or like it was like mm -hmm. a pipe dream. That's not real life. It's like hitting the lottery. So when I was making music, I never had big dreams of I'm going to be famous, which, by the way, I never cared about famous because famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. I always mm. cared about being great, right? Doing a good job, by doing good business, by communicating well, treating people well, giving the best price out of all the producers and then giving you better product, right? So as I um, was thinking, what am I going to do? I was like, shit, I have to make this music thing a real life thing. So I said, I made a plan it with, you know, milestones to achieve, um, to be successful in the music industry. And I just went hard at doing that. And I didn't even, when my friends like, but you don't have any money, you don't know anybody, you have no connections that I like those things didn't even like enter my mind. Like when people would say that, like as a fear, I looked at it as like, okay, those are things I need to accomplish. That's not things I'm fearful of not being able to. I was almost naive to the fact that there's a possibility I could fail or lose because I don't even, when I set out to do something, it's just, that's okay. I'm going to get it done. It's not like, what if it doesn't work? It's going to right. work because I'm doing it. <clears throat> um, right. So I've just, I've always had that mentality since I was a teenager and it wasn't, it's not cocky. It's just like, I don't even understand the mentality of like, if I want to go there, then, okay, I need a car or I need better sneakers or I need better directions or I need, I just figure out what I need to do it and then do it. I don't yeah. think about like, wh why can't I do it? Or it might not happen because I know that I'm determined and I have the work ethic and it's just in me that if that's my goal, there hasn't been a goal in my life, Renee, that I set that I haven't achieved ever. Well, I guess the last company that I launched that I resigned from, I guess I did have a bigger goal. However, I did still accomplish a bunch of the goals. But I think what, what matters is what you're the, the mentality, you know, right? Because it's and here's the, the reality. Of course, you've had failure, but you don't see it. And that's the that's the key mentality there. It's, you know, there's there's we're, life is full of failures. But if you listen to what, what, what Clinton is saying, here is his mental state is it's going to get done and there is no negotiation with himself. It's going to get done. And what I've always found is that the most successful people that I've known and met have very short attention span and very, very little memory for failure. And because they just keep going and they'll say, you know, like what you said, like everything I've done, I've done. And you enter with this massive confidence of your ability to achieve a goal. Not, and it's even not even oneself. It's just, it's going to get done. And it comes from a history of not having a choice, but to get it done. You weren't given a choice to back out. You weren't given well, a also, choice. Also, not, not only just, not only just losses, but even wins. Like if I raise $2 million today, tomorrow, it's like yesterday didn't even happen. It's right. like a refresh button every day to accomplish and win the zero day to zero. every day. Hero to zero every day. And it's like, it's all, you know, it's a beautiful thing of like the, the movie 50 first dates with uh, Adam Sandler and Drew yeah. Barrymore. I was telling you, I was like, imagine if you had to re-earn, earn that love every single day. It's your, you're going from zero. If you just live that life. I, I posted something, I think it was yesterday or the day before. And I said, and it just had me on stage and I was, I had just heard that uh, we are the champion song. And I, again, I just listened to the words, you know, I've paid my dues time after time. And I put it up to us. I mean, I paid, you know, 30 years in the game still still paying dues and never going to stop paying dues and it's like one of those things like we're like i can't stop thinking about mm -hmm. how am i going to earn this mm -hmm. every single day and i love that you said that it's like yeah i just raised this i did this all right what's next and i think some people confuse that with never being satisfied no you enjoy the process of all of that but what's interesting even in the brain what's happening is that that pursuit of something is what actually secretes the dopamine response which is what we all want and it's the achievement of a goal through effort. It's it's the, the word effort is the key factor there. If you achieve a goal without effort, it's the fake dopamine. It's the 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 participation awards. Well, I achieved something, but there's no dope, there's no effort involved. So then it's a really bad thing for the brain to get the dopamine without effort. But that pursuit of greatness is really the pursuit, 
is exerting effort in the pursuit of something and the benefit and the enjoyment is in along the way. Because you and I both know, every one of those records you have behind you, you're like, oh my God, I have one. Look at this. And then you're like, okay, how do I get another one? <laughs> you go another one and you get that next one and your next one. And you're probably going, man, how do I get some more? Maybe the record now doesn't symbolize a record, but it's a business and a transformation, or maybe it's an impact or you know, some of the new things that you're working on, et cetera. Or well, the next I, I also apply that not even to just business or things. I also apply that to people. Mm. So it's like, I made this, these people happy today. How can I do that tomorrow? How can I yeah. make more people like excited about what I'm working on? How can I make people have a better experience dealing with me? Like, you know, so I think about that with every aspect of my life. Mm. I love that. I really do love that. Now, here's one of the things I, I want. mean, look at, look at what your impression was of me when we met, Yeah. right? It wasn't fake. You know what no. I mean? Like, like you said, like, that's just who I am. So like, I try to, you know, whether it's responding to DMs, which I respond to probably too many and just like, you know, cheering people on or rooting for them or giving them advice or hearing their story and, you know, showing empathy for their story or them relating or connecting to me. And like, you know, I would be an asshole if, this many people, if my goal was to like make the world better yeah. and people are coming back to me saying, Hey, because of you, this thing is better for me. And I just like, back to your point, I just feel like, ah, I'm a champion. I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, and I don't respond like yeah. I'm a super dick and it's insincere. Right? right. So it's like, why would I not respond to people? And like, I trust me, I've been told from everybody, from my wife to my business partners, like, yo, you respond to too many DMS, but like, that's, it's, it's, if if more people listening and following me was the the success of that it's working right because yep. i've been doing it for 2 years now and you can literally see exponential growth of people following me and, and my dms being filled up and people wanting to talk to me because i took the time to right. matter of fact it's probably been 4 years that i've been like really intensively in my dms talking to you but i've always been that person even if i when i go dj a show I always hang out and take pictures with people and talk to them and listen to their stories or fellow DJs like shared things like that. It's like really life comes down to just actually giving a shit. Yeah. And like most people don't, they give a shit about themselves, whether it's like issues they're having, problems they're going through, difficulties or their ego and their wins. And they're like, look how awesome I am. Like when you care about, genuinely care about the world and the people in it, this isn't an act. You don't have to, it's not even like, oh, I got to do this. It's just who you are. But, and we can tell, like we know when it's real, right? Yeah. And you can tell when someone's <clears throat> just trying to like work the room or someone's just trying to like get some connections to when like, nah, that dude really cares. And the thing is you did that even before you had fame and massive followers, you were yeah. still the same way. And I was trying to explain to somebody, I'm like, like, wow, well, Renee, you have a million followers on, on TikTok and we're 190 some thousand on, on Instagram. And like, what's different? I'm like, nothing. Cause most of my career, I had no one. And most of my speaking career, it was an empty room or to the breakout sessions. I go, but what's crazy is that those, I was so grateful to be in a breakout session. I was so grateful to be on that stage with 12 people in the audience. And I would jump off the stage and be like, Hey, you know, it's 12 people in here, but this is the right 12 people. And you dive in, you stay after the event, you stay, go before the event. And so now that maybe more eyeballs are there, you're still the same person. It's the problem is people say, well, when I get to X followers, then I'll be that way. It doesn't work that way. Well, when no, I get you know to what, stage, you know what it is, it's because you'll get to those followers by being that way. There you go. And I love what you said. You said fame does not mean that you're great, but being great might get you fame. Yeah. And so it's, it's never famous, about that fame. Famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. Love it. I love I mean, it. Think about, think about the group from Tom Brady to Oprah Winfrey to Walt Disney, like Beyonce. None of them was sitting there saying like, I can't wait to be famous. Yeah. Like they all worked on being great. And then that great fame was a byproduct of being great. And most of them, excuse my language, ate shit for years and loved every single bit of it. It was difficult, but they loved the craft of what they're doing. And I think that's, there's something to be said, the beauty of the, the the time and paying dues and going through something like the old uh, Chinese, you know, uh, movies, you know, carry water, you know, have to carry water before you can learn Kung Fu and the, all of that stuff. There's the, the lessons of that, uh, I think are fantastic. And 
So like, here's, so here's where I wanted to go. Cause you had said something even before, you know, when we were just kind of just chatting, when Pete, when you call people doors open up and like right now you, you want to start a business, you want to launch something, you want to get something out. You've got a whole Rolodex of people that you can just pick up the phone and call. And the answer is yes. What's the question with you? But that didn't happen overnight. You built that over years. Talk to us about that journey. Cause this, and as you're listening to this, I want you to hear a couple messages here. First one, I want you to hear that whatever it is that you're doing right now and you're struggling, guess what? This is your story. As he said before, you're living the history. You're, you're writing your history through the struggle. And if this sucks and you're not doing, guess what? Every single person that did something great is living what you're living right now. And you have to turn around that 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 moment from feeling victim to this to going okay this is my training how am i going to perform when i have nothing how am i going to perform when i'm i'm my face down in the dirt and i'm not getting the responses because what because at some point i'm going to tell the story am i going to tell the story that i gave up or am i going to tell the story that i was eating shit and i kept pushing forward and so there's that piece but the other piece here too is whether or not you have connections or whatever it is that you have it all begins with something that we're that Clinton's going to talk about here, and because I know I know where he's going to go with this, kinda because I know the the story. The story is one of building an empire of influence that he has now. Did not start with influence. Did not start with an empire. It started with what? Talk to us about that journey to be able to have that Rolodex and to be able to have that that impact with people, that trust. It started with two things. One, believing in my own dopeness right but not <laughs> fooling myself to believe i'm doper than i am and that's what most people do they think that they're smarter than they are they're better than they are they deserve more than they have and i've never had that like even when i became a dj i never even considered myself or would call myself publicly a dj until i started getting paid to do that right now i'm officially a dj someone's paying me prior to that i was an aspiring dj Right. And people leave out the word aspiring a lot. I'm a speaker. I'm a model because I pose on Instagram and take pictures of myself. You're not. You would like to be a model and you're doing things that you can hopefully be spotted and seen of that you have the potential to be a model. So I think people get lost between the I'm aspiring and I am that. So I, I knew the difference between that when I was very young. And the question when I'm done talking that most people ask is, how do you know these things? I don't know how I knew them. Nobody taught me. I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any guidance. There was no like male leaders that would, would tell me like, you should do this. You should not do that. It was all a product of the life that I lived and the things I was exposed to. Look, to go back a little more to get into this, because it helps put more context to it. Like I was exposed to everything so young, like even like my mom, like most of my mom's friends were black. My neighborhoods were black in Puerto Rican. Then I went to like a Catholic school that had mostly white kids. And my mom had lesbians and gay dudes living in our house. Um, I was around criminals. I was exposed to alcoholism. Like, so nothing was weird to me. Like the world, right. everything the world has to offer was normal. So I never went out not understanding how they think or what their culture is about or like how they're oppressed. Or like I understood it all. So that yeah. means every time I thought about something, I considered everybody from mm. day one because I understood everybody. And mm. that's, again, going back to giving a mm. shit because you care to understand. You don't sit there and say, why do they do that? Or I don't understand those people. Well, that, that's like, that's, then you're an idiot at that point, right? So like when you care enough to listen and understand, even like guys that don't get along with their wife, right? It's like either you're not meant to be together, you should just leave, or you should just fucking shut up and listen to what your wife wants. Right. What does she not like about you? What are you doing wrong? What are the things that trigger her? What are you like in any relationship? Like when I was young, I would hear my mom and women talk about men. And I was like, oh, OK, I got it. Now I understand what women like in a man and what they want, what they don't want. All the answers that you need in life are there if you just shut up and listen. All the answers. But people are chasing all these answers. Like, I don't know, man. How are you supposed to do this? How are you supposed to do that? Shut up and listen, man. People are protesting. People are talking all the time. Your girl will tell you what she doesn't like. Your parents will tell you what to do. Your, your kids will tell you what, what bothers them about you. They, won't, might, they might not be intelligent enough to say, dad, I don't like when you do this thing. But if you're give a shit enough, 
you'll see the effect when you do that thing that it has in your kid. And you should be the adult to see, I need to make a change because look what it's doing to my kid without them understanding how to tell me that, right? So if you're going to walk through life acting like a leader, then you need to do these things and you need to take responsibility for the things that go wrong, whether it's in your marriage, it's in your company, because if you take responsibility for it going wrong, guess who gets to fix it? Yeah. You, because yeah. you took responsibility. So if you're such a great leader like you think you are, then go ahead and fix it. If your wife's miserable because of you, but you keep saying, well, if you didn't do that thing and maybe if you change that thing, okay, well, you're smart enough to see what's wrong with her, but not enough to see what's wrong with you or mm. how you can fix this. So are you really smart? So like a lot of people don't look at themselves <clears throat> in a mirror like that and have self-awareness. So I say all that to go back to what you're asking because not everybody can do it. Not everyone's built the same way. Everybody has a different operating system, right? And like a lot, of, everybody can look at life the same way. Everybody can get the answers, but because the way they're built or because they don't give a shit or because they're just selfish or because they're ego, they don't. So like yep. you need to know that all these things are in your way and they're all a part of you. And until you understand they're a part of you and not say, <clears throat> it's not me, it's the world, like most people do and realize, nah, bro, it's you, right? Then the, you'll never be able to do anything that I've done or anybody else that's been successful. It won't work. And even if you do get lucky, it won't last because you're not solid, right? And if you don't build a solid you, no matter what the fuck you build, it's going to collapse. It's not going to get worked. You're going to ask to get thrown out. Your girl's going to cheat on you, like whatever it is, because you suck. So now, now I'll go back to what you had. Well, you said, you, you said, and don't forget where you're going. Cause you said, I saw, I heard four things and I'm, I'm trying to write these down as fast as I can. I mean, you gave us a checklist here of how to do it. Cause we're all built differently. And I'm thinking, okay, well, how is he built? And you, you, you're giving the answers. One, check your ego. You got to check. You can't do this with a big ego. You got to have that's the, the problem. Most people with egos can't even recognize they have egos because their ego won't right. let them recognize exactly. they got an ego. Which is that self-awareness. The other one was take responsibility. Like stop blaming people. It's like, guys, if you're listening to this, this is the profound yet not profound because we hear it, but you don't listen. We don't listen. Ego, and you got to have people around you to help you do that. Sometimes, if you if you think, oh, I have no ego, I have no, I'm totally self aware. Self awareness, check your ego. You got to take responsibility. And then the third I heard was work hard. And the fourth I heard was add value to people. If you can. Add value to people with no ego, meaning no expectation of anything. Add value and work <laughs> tremendously hard at that and take responsibility for every failure. Like, how can you fail? I mean, I hope how, that's what I'm taking away from this. So, but, but none of that, none of that works without self-awareness. And self-awareness yes. is probably the most important tool somebody can possess. Amen. Probably the least possessed tool that people possess. You know the research on that? Here's the thing, because I wrote about it in my book, chapter two is I think it's 95% of people claim to be self-aware, but only 10 to 15% actually are. That means literally one out of every 10 people actually is self-aware, but nine out of 10 plus think that they are. It is, you're, you're so right. It is at the core of life. And, and so, even in all leadership training, it's at the first thing you got to learn. I never read those studies. I'm sure you've done extensive studies, but, but the things that people go and do studies for and write books about, I have the answers because of the robust life that I live, right? So yeah. it's like getting, you know, when you're going to do long division, the teacher's like, show me how you got the answer. I just got the answer. What does it matter if I show you how, right? <laughs> so like, yeah. that's what it's like in life for me, yeah. right? So there's like, is it, have you ever seen Goodwill Hunting? You have, yeah. So there's a scene where Matt Damon is sitting across from the professor and he, he brings over his, his essay or whatever it is. And the professor's reading, he's like, hey, have you thought about, and Matt Damon's like, yeah, it's in there. And he goes, what about? And he goes, yeah, that's in there too. And he goes, how about? He goes, you know what it's like for me to fucking watch you guys fumble around when this shit comes so easy to me? That's yeah. what life feels like to me, right? Mm -hmm. So like just resolving problems, communicating well, being self-aware, taking accountability for your, your, your actions. Like it's so easy to me. I find it bizarre that when, whether even in your own personal relationships, the people closest to you, like you're shaking your head almost like, man, how do you not see this, right? Like, how do you not see, I'm clearly breaking myself down saying, here's what I did wrong. Here's what I need to change. Here's what I, what I did to cause us to get to this point. 
Okay. Are we on the same page? Yeah. You shouldn't have done this. And da, da, da. Okay, cool. We're on the same page with everything that I've done wrong. Right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, cool. Here's some things I identified that you've contributed to this. Oh no, no. Well, if you didn't, and it's like, damn, does it's like, does no one else have the ability to sit there and be like, yeah, you're right. I did do that wrong. And if I didn't do this, this wouldn't have caused this shit. We just resolved why we had this argument. Yay. Now we know how to fix it. It's like so almost impossible easier. to find people to think that logical and rational. And that all comes back down to self-awareness. And yep. the problem with that is people's ego, they can't feel like, and it's, everything's a feeling, right? They can't feel like you defeated them. They can't feel like you're right and they're wrong. They can't feel like they have deficiency. It all comes back down to an individual's self-awareness. It, it's, it's at the core. I 100% I agree. Self-awareness, check your ego, take responsibility, work hard and add value. Right. We, we, but we could say this for another hour and like 90% of people that hear this are like, but I do do that. And they're still walking around being a dick, right? So, <laughs> so you know, it's it starts with confidence. Well, let's go. I want to go back specifically. Like what, what I want to go back to when you, you needed something from someone and they said no and you didn't give up or one of those things where maybe that person said yes and then you delivered. Like what, go back to like when you were like, you were nobody. All right, so I'll give you one example. This isn't when I was a nobody. I was a little bit of a somebody, but and then I'll go backwards. But I'll give you one perfect example of how you have to Love prove it. even when you're successful. People think once you become successful, it's easier for you now. No. But yeah, of course, I have more phone numbers. I have more credibility. But you got to prove that idea to everybody. Expectations are higher, though. Like, but the expectations people, are higher. You make a higher. hit record, that doesn't mean your next record's a hit just because you made it, right? So- uh, one time I, I made a beat for Ludacris and I went to go see him in the studio and I was like, dude, I made this beat for you. It's totally free. It's totally you. I play it to him and I'm waiting for him to get excited. And he's just like, what else you got? And I was like, what? Like, like I was focused on this beat for you. This is you all day. It's fucking dope. And he's like, nah, what else you got? And I was like, I ain't got nothing else. I just brought you this one beat. And he's like, all right. Well, and then that was the end of the session. Right. So I leave there like, I was so sure he was going to be like, hell yeah, this beat is incredible. So I left not getting that accomplished. So I, I hit Ludacris's engineer and I said, hey man, send me an acapella of this verse that he just put out on this mixtape. And then I hit Rick Ross's engineer and I said, hey, send me an acapella of Ross's verse from this mixtape he just put out. And then I hit my friend Bun B and I said, yo, can you put a verse on this song? And then I made a chorus. I put that all together. I sent it back to Ludacris. Now I painted the full picture that yeah. he could hear everybody on it. It became a next single with a video and I'm in the video. The song's called Down in the Dirty by Ludacris. And if you went on YouTube, you could see it's Rick Ross, Bun B and Ludacris and me in the video. So <laughs> that was an example of like, I still had to prove and show them a vision. Like you didn't just have to prove it. You had to paint the picture for people. And that's why I think, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's so many lessons in that right there. Like you go, okay, somebody hears something out of context, meaning, so if you're listening to this, no frame, no frame of reference. And so many of our ideas lack a frame, they lack context. And they are, you have this vision in your head of what this could be. And the assumption sometimes we make it that other people have that same ability to put all those pieces together. And then they go, yeah, I don't see it. Then you're like, okay, hold on, let me just do it for you. And now you put all the pieces together and now they hear the, the whole, which would be the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And now that magic comes together. It's like, hey, here, try salt. Like, oh, or like here, try this garlic. Right, yeah, it's garlic uh, and something else. But you put all the garlic and the salt and all the pieces together right on that steak, cook it at the right temperature. Everything all of a sudden, they go, oh, man, that was, that was amazing. And all of a sudden you put the full picture together. And I think so many people forget to pull, put the whole picture together. I was talking to somebody and this, something as simple as, giving a discount. They said, we're gonna give you 25% off. And I said to him, I said, don't make them do the math. Don't make clients do the math. I'm going to give you $250 off the ticket. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. It's $250. Instead of saying 25%, do the math for them. Like what you did, you put but all you can even You could even go backwards from that. Psychologically, if you're selling a thousand dollar thing and you, you're willing to give them 250, you don't even say, I'm going to take 250 off because they're still looking at it like still money's coming out of me. What mm. you have to do at that point and be like, what's something that you do want to buy now, right? And you get to something <laughs> that's closest. Imagine if I gave you 250 right now 
to go buy. Instead of you giving me a thousand, I gave you 250 to go buy those Jordans that you want to buy. He goes, that would be awesome. Great. Done. I just took 250 off your thing. Now in your mind, you're thinking, shit, that thousand bucks, I get this thing and a pair of Jordans. So it's looking like you're getting more for that money than you would have. Beautiful. I love that. Vision, confidence, patience, and passion, I would say are the four things that I'm writing these down. That have helped me excel ever since I was a nobody. Because when you come in with passion, you can't fake that. When you when you come in with the right amount of confidence, not cocky or arrogant, just the right enough that people are like, fuck, I like believe this guy. Like I don't even know who he is, but he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Right. So in the patience for them to understand, because every time I go to sell something, in my mind, I'm like, it won't happen in this one meeting. If it does bonus, right? Yeah. What I did was plant seeds. So throughout my career, I've always cared more about planting seeds than like, you know, looking at the tree grown. So, and I've done that for so long. Like I still do it to this day. Like I pay it forward. This, this, I probably have a million favors owed to me. I wouldn't even mm. remember like 10,000 of them, right? Because I just, going back to giving a shit, I just did things because I cared and because I wanted to and because I could. So mm. I never went and was like, hey, Akon, I'm going to break your record. And in return, I want this. Or, hey, record label that runs Akon's music. Yo, I just broke his record. You guys need to give me $1,500 for doing this. Like, I wasn't a payola type of guy. I was the type of guy that if I thought it was dope and I could help, then I just did. And there's right. no amount of money that you could give me that would compromise my integrity to do something I didn't believe in. So right. like, I've always been that person. Even when I was a criminal, man, like as ironic as it sounds, <laughs> when I was a thief as a teenager, it's contradicting when I say this, but I cared about people so much that even when I robbed houses, which again, was out of just survival, right? It wasn't like trying to be cool or trying to look flashy or show off to friends. I didn't even tell friends what I was doing. I did it by myself, right? And I cared so much about people that if I needed to get a VCR, a video camera, and a TV to sell, and somebody had it all in one house, I wouldn't be like, I struck it rich. I got it all in one house. I would just take the VCR, and then I'd go to a different house to find a video camera and a different house to TV. And the reason is because I, I thought to myself, my mom works really hard. And she, if she bought all these things and we came home and we were wiped out, it would be devastating. If just our VCR or one thing was gone, we'd be like, what the fuck happened to our VCR, right? And like, we wouldn't be devastated. And like, as much as I was a criminal, I still cared about like, fuck man, it's almost like, sorry, dude, I don't mean to take your VCR, but I need this more than you right now. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So we like, had a, I don't you, know. You, like, you had some level of consciousness of what the impact that you were having, even in those moments that that were not your proudest moments, but there was some level of conscious awareness of the impact on other people. Plus, when you're a teenager, especially when you have no guidance, you don't really recognize consequences or like ramifications of things. Like, why do you think like teenagers walk across the street like they fucking own the world when there's a yeah. car coming? Because like, man, when that shit fucking hits you, I bet you won't do that again, you know, because you don't know because you haven't lived life yet to understand, you know, consequences. So what made me really stop for the most part was when it became human. And yeah. that's when like, you know, I read the paper about something I did and the girl in that paper, uh, they said she soiled herself and it became human to me. Mm -hmm. Prior to that, it was just, I'm just we out here. We can disassociate. Yeah. Like then I started thinking about my sister and my mom and that thing that I did when I was a teenager you know, I know I'm not going to really, you know, there was nothing in the thing that I was showing her. Uh, but like, she doesn't know that. Right. So like, when you see that and you're confronted with that, you're like, oh my God, I almost died. Right. Yeah. You know, and so like, but you don't think about that. You're just thinking like, oh, there's nothing in here. I'm not going to really hurt anybody. <laughs> well, then the nerd money and go. The nerdy uh, side of what you're talking about is there's a part of your brain right here called the prefrontal lobe that doesn't develop till age 25. And the full purpose of that brain is to to look to the future and, and predict consequences and understand the consequences of behavior. That's why when kids go to spring break in 18, they go out there and they do stupid shit on cameras and not realizing that at some point, what I just did on camera is probably going to end up on the internet. And it's going to be internet. it's going to follow me when I get older. And I'm going to realize, man, why did I do that? 
And, you know, a lot of people, you know, our age right now go, thank God there weren't cameras back then and iPhones and capturing that stuff. But the, for parents listening to this, the ability to help. And when, when Clinton's talking about guidance, it's about helping them understand the consequences of behavior, both good and bad. And I was talking to my son and I, and I, I told him, I said, it's important to be a rule follower. And it's also important to understand which rules you need to follow and which ones you're going to break. I go, but if you're going to break a rule, because if you don't believe in something, break it, but understand that you and solely you will be dealing with the consequence of breaking that. And it might sometimes get you in trouble or it might help you break through something and do something great. Unless it affects other people because he broke a rule and the reason that rule is put in place is for the safety of others. And he's going to have to deal with the consequence of, of hurting someone or it's a stupid rule that should have been there and he broke ground. But that's the, that's the difficulty of life. That is really, we're talking about parents, you know, my son is 19 now and he's everything a father or a mother would want in a son. He's mm. as, as perfect as you could build a child to be, in my opinion. And people always say like, man, you did a great job. Uh, two things. One, even if I did do a great job, the kid still decides on themselves for themselves. So you could be the greatest parent ever and your kid can still be a shithead and say, oh, I'm going to go drink all the time and go do all these yep. things. And this, it's, it's really the kid that decides which person they want to be. However, I think what makes a parent great is not talking down, not talking at, not yelling at. And I don't think punishments are, are effective. I think that talking with and having calm, civil, mature conversations, even when you don't feel like your kid's on the level of maturity yet to have these conversations. Again, it's just like the followers. You get those followers to being great. You build a great kid by talking like he's already mature and adult enough to hear these common sense things you're talking about. So when you're complaining at a kid or you're yelling at them or you're making them feel like they're not smart enough or you're forcing them and giving them pressure to do things that maybe you feel like is best for you, it might not be best for them. You know, I never told my son who he should be, what he should be, how he should think, ever. Like what I did as a parent is I provided opportunities and options for him to decide. And as a parent, I didn't limit, you know, my kid to what my limitations may have been. Right. So even when he'll ask a question that maybe I don't agree with, I'm like, look, man, this is a moment in your life where you have to think about what's best for you. And uh, he'll, then he'll always say, well, what would you do? Right. Mm -hmm. And as they say, well, I'll tell you what I would do. But the reason why it might work for me and not you is that like, and I always give him different paths to go down. He's always picked the right path. Love that. Um, so I think, you know, the reason why most kids don't listen to parents, because, you know, there'll be a, one parent here that's like, ah, no matter what I say to my kid, he doesn't fucking listen. Right. And the reason most kids don't listen to parents is because they don't think you relate. And it's the same thing with employees to a, a, a boss. It's the same thing with politicians, whatever it is. Right. The first thing you need to do, and this also goes to sales right? The first thing you have to do is not try to force them to think like you or not try to tell them, well, you know better or you don't have experience or you're too young to get it now. That's why I need to tell you. No, no fucking kid wants to hear that shit because they think they know it all, right? So what you need to do at first is talk to them in a way that they're going to say, and I'll, I'll give you an exact thing my son said, fuck man, it's like you're in my brain and you know exactly what I'm thinking. Right. Once you gain the trust of them knowing that you get them and you understand them, you know what they're feeling, but not by saying, I know what you're feeling. I was a kid too, like common parenting, not like that by saying, so you're probably thinking blah, 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 blah. And that, and you have to use stories and like, there's a real, everybody wants to be a killer in life, right? They want the world to look at them as like, they're awesome, whether it's a job, whether it's online, whatever it is. But like the most important killer you can be is a parent. Right. And like you can, by the way, you can learn so much about yourself and apply that to being a good boss if you can be a good parent. So you're doing yourself a benefit and you're teaching yourself a lot of things if you really focus on being an outstanding parent and understanding what it means to be a great parent. So I, 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 you know, to parents, you have to make them understand that you relate and not talk about, well, when I was a kid, yeah, dad, that was a fucking different time. You guys didn't even have the internet. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what they're going to say. So the second you say something that makes them put up a guard, like what I just said, they're not going to listen to you. 
then you're going to get frustrated thinking my fucking kid's difficult to deal with or they won't fucking listen. No, it's back to what I said about being a good leader. When you take accountability for why your kid's not listening, then you can understand how to fix that because you're the great leader that you think you are. Man, I know we could do this all day long. I've got a page of pages of notes here of things that we're, we're talking about. And I want to thank you for doing this. If you were to, if you were to, let's say, summarize this and give us a final, what do you want people to walk away with here? Hopefully they walked away with whatever they needed or whatever they found of value in what we talked about. So I don't, I don't have a desire or a specific hope. Like, I hope they learned this. Yeah. I, I just hope that what we talked about brought some kind of value to somebody and it helped them, whether it was be a better parent, be a better leader, figure out how to get things done when you're, when you're meeting adversity, understand that there's other people like you out there. Sometimes you may feel like your life is tough or you can't get past certain things because of your past. There's people just like you and there's people that's had it 10 times worse, right? So you have to just realize we're all not the same. And just because that guy made it doesn't mean you can because everybody has different circumstances. Like, I, I hate that line. If I can do it, so can you. No, the fuck, that doesn't know. If I can make it to the NBA, that means you can too. You're five feet. Like, you're not making it to the NBA. So, like, I don't agree with false narratives like that because it doesn't mean you can make it. It means that somebody similar to you figured out a way. It means you may be able to figure out a way too, right? Mm -hmm. What works best for you. So, uh, look, man, if, if people got some value out of this, then it was worth, you know, us having this conversation. But there's not one specific thing I want them to get. And, and if they want to learn more or they want to get more game daily from me. Yeah, where like can they find you? How can how yeah. can everybody find you? Uh, on Instagram, at Clinton Sparks. Is, I live there most of the time. Uh, all my socials are at Clinton Sparks. But I'm mostly on Instagram. And I got a new book I'm finishing right now that will be coming out in the next couple of months. Uh, and I'll come back you have a name? Show. Huh? Oh, yeah. When you're ready, come back and we'll do it. We'll launch the podcast on the week of launch and uh, we'll get everybody behind it. Uh, your current book, How to Win Big in the Music Business, doing great. Yeah, the, Next this, book is going to be great. This is one of my books now. Uh, Damon John wrote the forward. But honestly, and this, this goes back to a couple of questions you asked me. When I made this book, I was making it for the massive audience of independent unsigned artists that have no guidance or know mm. how to be successful and they're being sold like bullshit online every day because the internet lies all day to you, right? Mm. So I built it for that. But the principles and values that I teach in this book uh, are applicable to any business and even your personal relationships. But I discovered being out here at these masterminds and speaking on stages and stuff that like the majority of people aren't going to read this book that says music business on it because they're not trying to make it a music business. And they're not going to realize that there's other uh, game to be learned I don't even talk about the music business in this book. It's just how to realistically, what I did was show you how to be a better solid you so you can make it in the music business, but really Absolutely. anywhere. So what I did was I, this book right here, which by the way, you can get for free. The link is in my Instagram. There's no, like you got to put in your, your information or you get a discount or get my three day course. It's just free. As soon as you click it, PDF right to your shit. And by the way, the reason I do that is because if I care about making the world a better place, it starts with making one person at a time better. And if I can make someone better by giving them the game or a blueprint to how I figure shit out, then they can apply it to themselves and figure it out too. So that's again, giving a shit. Love it. Um, but what I did with this book was I rewrote it, added five new chapters, a new title, Damon John's rewriting his forward and I'm giving it a better title so that it like reaches a broader audience because this book can genuinely, like Rob Dirty called me, Shaq called me. They called me like, dude, why'd you call this music business? This book is like how to win big at life. So I was like, I got to change the whole, whole thing. So yeah, I'll have Good. this in a few months. I love that. Well, I'm, I'm uh, just so people listening here, I'm going to be trying to convince Clinton to come to AmpCon in October 26th and see if we can't do that. I know his schedule is busy, but I'm going to try to make that sale. Other than that, man, just an incredible conversation. I could have done this all day long. I want to thank you for your generosity. Thank you for taking time to, uh, to meet with us. And I'm looking forward to just hanging out, man. I appreciate Likewise. you being out here. Likewise, man. I, I I knew when we met, I was like, ah, oh, this is a good dude. So, and, and, and by the way, I was really touched when you gave me that book and you wrote what you wrote to me because it was a really nice thing that you wrote. And it was, it was fairly odd that someone that doesn't really know me would write something that special. Mm. Uh, so well, it was, it, was, it was quick from what I could inter, inter, intervene with what everybody was saying about you. And then what I read, I also knew your work and I was like, okay, this is somebody who's truly, truly influencing a generation. And, and 
my brother. It's been an honor. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to have you back. And you. Uh, this is the first of many, my friend. I will say one thing for anybody that might watch this and see all these records and see all my accomplishments and stuff. The reason why I'm still able to wake up every day with excitement and passion is because I still think I'm just a loser from Boston that you need to get familiar with. So. <laughs> That's the gift. I was, ah, oh, get familiar with. I love that. That's where that was. You, you posted on my wall. My friend, thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Please follow at Clinton Sparks. This has been the Amplified Podcast. Like, follow, subscribe, do all the things. Share it with somebody. Tell us about it. Tell us what you want to hear more. Thank you all for your time. Be safe, guys. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com.